Welcome to the Connected Spirit Podcast. I'm your mentor, Courtney Dawson. I'm a working medium, mentor, minister, and certified spiritual life coach. My goal with this podcast is to have deep, meaningful conversations regarding the development journey of mediumship and spirituality. It is my hope that by listening, you'll feel seen and confident in your own experiences. I invite you to join me on this journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. My next guest is a licensed psychotherapist with over 20 years experience turned light worker. A few years back, a series of events led to a midlife spiritual emergency, also known as the dark night of the soul. And it was an awakening process that launched him into a spirit guided initiation in which intuitive gifts came online. And recently he's fallen into what he calls accidental mediumship, whereby after death contacts occur regularly in his sessions, simply by opening up to the divine realm. As part of his ongoing initiation process, St. Germain is one of his ascended masters of ceremony and is a gateway guide for him. He appears to be ultimately being prepared to become a voice trance channel. And I'm so excited to welcome Chris Hancock to the show so we can get to know him more. Thanks so much for being on the show, Chris. It's nice to have you here. Thank you, Courtney. I, you know, it's like, when I hear you say all that, I'm just really thinking about, well, A, you pretty much just said it all. I'm not sure what else I could I can add to that, but Oh, you can. Me, we'll get more. No, it just it 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 reminds me that for for so long, I think I've been really more at home with mediums and shamans and psychics and light workers than than my own stock and trade, my fellow psychotherapists, unless they're totally weird ones like me now these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. How did you become uh, get into that work in that field of becoming a psychotherapist? And how did your interest in like the metaphysical field and the esoteric space, how did that all kind of blend? Yeah, well, it's interesting because my my interest in the sort of esoteric and new agey stuff predated my ever having a thought to become a therapist. Okay. Um, I mean, really back to high school when I found books like, um, you know, Huxley's Doors of Perception or um, Whitley Strieber's Communion opened up to me to the whole uh, cosmic culture abduction phenomenon stuff. And then, you know, Herman Hess and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, but in my 20s, um, I had a big depressive episode on the heels of a breakup. And I got into therapy. I was probably 23. And that, I think, planted the seed um, for years later, what would occur to me when I went through another rough time and got back into therapy. And then I really realized, you know what, this I want to do something like this. This is this is what's been calling me, gnawing at me. So I went more or less the traditional route through uh, clinical social work uh, program, becoming a therapist and worked more or less, you know, inside the box as a traditional, you know, psychodynamic, humanistic talk therapist um, in clinics and counseling centers, then eventually went into my own practice in 2006 or seven. And I've been doing that ever since. Always more or less sort of keeping a little bit outside of the frame, all my metaphysical interests 
really just more or less because of fear that I'd be seen as a whack job and I wouldn't be able yeah. to make a living. Right. I get it. Um, but, you know, spirit ultimately just made it very clear through the, through the crisis that you mentioned in the, in the intro that there was no way for me to go forward and be well, not to mention to bring my gift to the world, whatever that is, bring my whole self forward if I was still leaving that all outside the frame, it was time to either go all in or forget this and do something completely different with your life, which I seriously considered for a minute there. But as I, as I was, when I was in the belly of that sort of dark night, as you put it, or that spiritual emergency process um, where there were uh, points of that I thought I was literally going mad, literally go, losing my mind. And I did lose my mind, but thank God I regained it in a whole new way with the help of, of the divine and spirit. And it was my um, constant surrendering and sitting and meditating and doing the things that I knew how to do on paper because I'd already been helping people walk through similar crises, spiritual crises and whatnot. So it was my time to put it to the test, and I did. And I'm always going to be trying to make long story short here. Um, spirit started answering my prayers and and giving me clarity and showing me that it that that this was all by design, basically. Like maybe to some degree it could have been avoided having to be that severe, but but it didn't because I wasn't listening to myself. It's so common um, with light workers, and I use that term just kind of a blanket term to en encompass the medium, psychics, healers, intuitives. Um, but you know, it's so interesting. I actually just did a Sunday service, and because um, I'm a minister, and one of the readings was from more, uh, a book called "More Philosophy" from Silver Birch, and he talks about uh, the ambassadors for the spirit world, those of us who are still in a physical form. And he mm -hmm. says that the spirit world is always giving us signs and, and guidance and synchronicities to awaken us to our true spiritual nature. But it's not often um, that we pick up on those signs. And it's usually until we reach that dark night of the soul that we then experience that spiritual awakening and become aware of our true nature, which is a spirit having a human exp uh, experience and that this right. journey of the physical is about allowing that spirit to find expression. And it sounds right. like that's what was occurring for you. And um, I just want to back up a little bit because some people talk about the dark night of the soul and a spiritual awakening process. And when people talk about the spiritual awakening process, you know, it, I almost, I guess social media really has a big influence on how people describe it and experience it. And many I'm going to say almost glamorize it, but the dark night of the soul is such an integral part of that process. What did it look like for you? And what were some of your experiences? And if, if some of it's too personal, please don't feel obliged to share, but if you sure. can maybe just touch on what were some of those defining moments of that dark night of the soul and like what it looked like for you? Yeah, sure. I mean, mine came about, um, really out of like, it's like a, a, a combination of sort of atypical midlife crisis. Yeah. Um, you know, entering up to turning 50. Um, and, and really pretty like insidious, but, but a professional burnout that, that became really serious. 
where I was having fantasies about being everywhere and doing everything but what I was doing. And it was, that was really frightening. Um, And just utter confusion. Um, And, and then, you know, it just, I, I knew that there was something, this wasn't just a depression or a typical, like I'm overworked. It was, it it was just so weighty and so heavy and got so dark. And I entered into really a kind of a temporary madness, Um, thankfully temporary. But like I said before, I really thought like, I can't trust my own thoughts. Um, There are different ways I could try to sort of unpack that, but I think, got, I think that's well said. Yeah. yeah, it got really, really dark. And again, I just, I did, you know, I had support. I wasn't isolating about it. Um, I have a great therapist. I have, I have a, a, a tribe and my family was by me, not quite understanding what I was going through completely, but neither did I. But I think the good news of it is, you know, like I mentioned a little bit ago, I, st- I just started doing what I knew to do, at least on paper. And that was just surrendering every day, turning it all over every day, walking in the woods for as long as I could take it and sitting, sitting and meditating and praying and meditating and surrendering. And slowly but surely, I started to, like I said, get answers. And some of those came in the form of very clear messages, not audible. It's hard to describe how I got them. It was like a mental impression of a phrase just would land in my consciousness And the first one came when I was really just praying for clarity so I could know what it, what was it that I was going through? I don't understand. Is it just burnout? Is my marriage over? Am I just actually going clinically crazy? And so that first message that came to me one day in a sit was, um, you are being given the gift of holy discernment. Wow. And I still don't know that I know exactly what that means. I've never heard that phrase. I've never heard the two words holy and discernment put together. But what I took it to mean and still do is I was being given like an extra shot of clarity to burst through the cloud of unknowing or the, just the cloud of the darkness and utter confusion and the madness and it was palpable and visceral. And I knew that it wasn't my own thoughts because I didn't even understand what that meant. And it came through clear as a bell one day in the middle of a sit. And all I can tell you is from there forward, things did get clearer. I began to realize, no, I'm not supposed to quit this career. My marriage isn't over. And, and that's where then other guides and guidance started to come in. Not exactly always in those kinds of ways, but that's where it, it, it started to get interesting. Like I did, I did get one other palpable message that was a lot like that one. That was, uh, something like, um, it is time for you to come forth with all of who and what you are. And that was pretty great. Absolutely. And then as I continued to sit in, in these meditations and surrendering prayer, uh, Uh, experiments, I guess you would say, Um, the really interesting kind of next development was that my, my body, my head started moving around like this on its own in the infinity symbol formation. And it continues to do so today. And 
what I didn't realize that meant at the time, with which I think I now understand, is that that's when a particular spirit or energy or consciousness is coming in to sort of sit down in my energy and work with me in some way on something. And that continues to this day. So maybe we can swing back around to, to that a little bit. But just to stay on that kind of thread, the next most powerful sort of happening in that in that darkness phase that really blew a huge hole through the the uh, the 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 heaviest period of that darkness was again one day I was at my office and sitting and this was happening and all of a sudden I felt like my entire being lighting up like a Christmas tree the, just the energy ramped up like ten thousand fold for a moment, it was scary, but the minute I felt fear, I, I then realized there's nothing to be afraid of. And I opened my eyes and it was like my whole office was lit up like a gymnasium. And I didn't, it lasted maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe at most, but it was just accompanied by the most visceral and complete feeling of unconditional bliss and love that I could ever, ever imagine. It wasn't until some time later when I felt led to do a reading with somebody who uh, was the author of a book that I had kept thinking about that I read a long time before that, who channels different um, uh, spiritual masters and ascended masters, who I didn't even have to tell her about that event. She basically referenced that the most recent thing that I've experienced was St. Germain, Christ, and, and the Melchizedek order have all been working with me to help me through this. And that that experience, what I took that I just described, was the violet flame energy of St. Germain coming in literally to, 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 to blow a beautiful spiritual light through that darkness. And from there forward, that darkness was lifting at exponential speed and kind of the rest is history. That's absolutely <laughs> incredible. So yeah. when you had this experience, are you still working with St. Germain? Well, yeah. So, so, so this was probably three years ago and I continue to sit almost every day. Yeah. I, I know I'm in an initiation process. So, so so sometime around that experience that I just described and with this head movement thing coming on, um, I, I did put it away for a little bit. I, I got a little freaked out and I, I started to feel like I'm not, this is something real and intense and I'm, I'm not ready for it. So I sort of shut it all down. And then, and then out of nowhere, a few months after that shutdown, all of a sudden my head starts doing this again. And I'm realizing, okay, I'm being led back to it. So I picked up the ball again. I started sitting again. And then, so I was already at that point beginning to learn and experiment with new methods that were more conducive to where I was, know I needed to go in my work as a therapist. So energy psychology methods. And I started developing one out of some others that I was learning. And at that time, I was using traditional muscle testing techniques, kinesiological sort of muscle testing, you know, uh, and I started using a pendulum and it was, 
it was while I was using a pendulum to get yeses and nos that all of a sudden I started to get those yeses and nos from my head involuntarily. And that has continued and that's with me all the time. All I have to do is ask a question or think a thought for long enough and I'll, my body will give me an involuntary answer that way. And, and that's how I know that I am in an initiation here. And that's how I know that I'm being prepped or prepared to become a channel of some sort. And it's also how I determine if I can think who to ask. It's how I determine who is with me in my sits, which can be any one of the ascended masters, Elohimic energies, um, saints, sages, masters, mystics, sometimes ancestors, shamans, um, and, so, and sometimes I don't, I don't even know because I can't figure it out. Yeah. But this yes and no ability, this kind of uh, digital, you know, way of getting information is with me. But some, but a lot of my sits, like in this last year, I can tell whoever's coming in, they're further preparing me to open up different higher faculties. And, and I notice that most in my work with people where I'm getting impressions more clearly. Um, and so that then gets into the sort of accidental after death contact and all that. And, yeah. Let's delve yeah. right in. Let's keep going, Chris. So okay. you've had, you start this initiation process and where do you kind of like fall into accidentally, as you say, fall into mediumship? What does that look like? So you're yeah. having these initiations where your spiritual faculty faculties are beginning to be awakened and where right. does the mediumship come into that? Yeah, well, it's it's mediumistic, I guess yes. I could say, because when I ask my guidance, it's clear I'm not a medium and I'm not being gifted or prepared to be a medium in the sense that you and so many others are. I don't think that's not my path. But in one of the one of the transpersonal ways that I use my primary method in my work life with people is I use a, a, a therapy approach called IFS, Internal Family Systems, which is very much a spiritual, shamanically oriented process. It's been around a long time. There's a lot of people who don't use it in a spiritual or overtly shamanic way, but it naturally lends itself to that. It's It's based on the idea that we all have a core self, which is akin to the divine spark, the seed of the soul, the seed of consciousness that's pure and undamaged and whole. And then we have parts of us that get thrust into roles as a result of trauma. And those parts are become protective parts or they're typically young parts that carry old pain and wounds. So it's a whole process of healing and integrating. That's a very, very short description. But anyway, because I've long loved that method, I just started integrating it with all this stuff and found that it naturally lends itself. So basically, long story short, is when I'm doing IFS with people, as long as my client is open to it, and these days just about everyone is, or they wouldn't be coming to me, I basically, you know, we start with a meditation, we turn inward, we take some breaths. And while my client is beginning to get a lay of their internal landscape and look for little trailheads of a part that we might want to be working with, I will just simply formally invoke and invite in the entirety of the divine realm in Christ consciousness, 
um, the shamanic realm, the nature-based realm of helping spirits, ministering angels, as well as spirit guides, um, and ancestors and loved ones. And sometimes I'll name off, you know, all categories that I could think of, you know, cherubim and seraphim and Elohim and ascended masters. Sometimes I just sort of shortcut it because I don't think I need to do that. I just need to make it known that I'm opening up to any and all higher energies and forces that would be willing to enter this frame um, and direct and guide and support the work in whatever way would be for my clients, highest and best good, highest and best healing power and potential. That's how I just started sort of phrasing it. And I'm telling you that, I mean, sometimes I think my clients are more mediums than me because even those who have no real interest, they're just open to it, but it's not their wheelhouse. They don't read up on this stuff. They are getting messages and impressions of their loved ones being with them. Sometimes even more so than me. I can get who I think is with us. I'll get like, oh, there's an ancestor energy, mother's side. Oh, there's a loved one energy, father's side. It's, it's grandfather. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, others, I, we have an Elohim presence here or, you know, something even, even larger. Um, but the beauty is that, uh, just by virtue of opening up to that, you know, being in integrity with it. And as long as myself and my client are free of fear and doubt and cynicism, yeah then there's an open channel. And I'm sure I'm speaking to the choir here. You understand. Absolutely. This. Yeah. You right. have to have that. If you're, if somebody's, you know, the spirit world and the divine realm can only connect with us and touch with us um, based on our willingness to receive and our openness. Exactly. That's and that's exactly why some, and that's why, and that's why some people can pick up on the spirit world and some people can't. That's right. That's right. So, so in this work I'm doing, mainly through that IFS frame, not only, but mainly, um, that's where I've started to notice that um, love, crossed over loved ones are coming through and ancestors, sometimes just to sort of support the work because they hear the call and they want to be here and just support, like hold space. Yeah. Yep. Other times, they they will sometimes ancestors and certainly spirit guides will play active direct roles in the IFS itself, which is something only my client is really perceiving. But as long as they're verbalizing to me what they're noticing, I'll be able to usually discern if this is we're just working with a part or if there's some other force that's helping it. But it's more often my client saying, oh, that guide that's with me is helping that little part to come into the present or it, or that, that inner spirit helper, or my grandmother is, is with, is with us now in the shamanic portion of the ceremony where we're helping this little part to unburden its pain into the fire or whatever. Right. So it can be just sort of holding space all the way to direct uh, it, uh, participation and involvement in the work. And what can I say? It's just, it's fascinating. I'm loving it. And how did 
it was just this natural progression and your clients were just totally open to it. I'm so curious. So they're going to see a psychotherapist and then next thing you know, he's connecting with the divine realm and connecting with ancestors and guides and angels and ascended masters. Well, it was a progression. Progression. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I did make a formal, I kind of shut down my practice for a bit a couple of years ago. Okay. And and uh, I mean, almost all but shut it down, but I certainly shut down my old website and my old sort of inside the box messaging. I tore it all down, realizing I'm, I'm rebirthing in a way. Yeah. And I, so I have to start fresh. And it was my wife that one day thought of the name therapy outside the box. And as soon as she said it, we were both like, of course, that's it. So whatever, whenever that day was, I don't even remember, that was my sort of rebranding, as they say these days or whatever, right? Yeah. And then we constructed a whole new sort of message and website and everything around that, which, you know, was not always easy to do. I still have fear and trepidation and doubt, some self-doubt at that point. But, but as I kept sitting and surrendering and praying, I mean, the messaging was clear. It is time to come forth with all of who you are and what you are here to do. And you must have, you know, in some of those sits, a few times when, when guides like St. Germain were with me and after the sit, I would ask for a message. And the messages were always really just have faith, keep having faith, have, have more faith, trust, surrender, and go forth. Basically, I always sort of boiled it down to spirit was constantly telling me, just just jump and trust that the net will appear. You will be taken care of. And that is exactly what's happened. I mean, I've never been busier. I'm run a constant wait list, which is a weird thing because I don't want to keep people waiting. Yeah. But, it, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. So absolutely. But it's just I take it as a confirmation of I must be on the right track. Absolutely. You actually mentioned something, Chris, that I just want to touch on a little bit further. And you going through this initiation process and this dark night of the soul, you already having background in your work as a psychotherapist, you had some practices that you naturally gravitated to sitting and getting into meditation. And when a person's developing mediumship or going through um I'm going to say the spiritual awakening process. It's one of the key things that help people get clarity, stay grounded in themselves because it can be such an intense and overwhelming experience that people don't know how to cope. And so some of those practices that you shared are so foundational. And I just think it's so interesting that you going from a psychotherapist, which you still are, but bringing yeah. in these mediumistic powers of awareness and working with these, I'm going to say, very evolved beings from yeah. the other world, um, yeah. you would have had to have had that. And so I think it's so yeah. divinely orchestrated with you that spirit knew that calling and that purpose that your soul was destined to, and you needed to have that background to support you through that. And so for those people yeah. that are listening, can you just maybe talk a little bit more about... Um, practices and the importance of a spiritual practice to help them through that, but also your 
more established in your development now, but you're still keeping up with it. Could you maybe just talk a little bit about the importance in your opinion of having a spiritual practice? Yeah. I mean, I will say that, yes, what, how fortuitous that I had a background of interest going all the way back to high school in the metaphysics at large and, you know, had, was fairly well-read. It was mostly book knowledge. I was not really faithfully putting into practice. I never had a meditation practice before this whole thing that lasted very long. I would go in and out of it, in and out of it. Um, um, so it wasn't until this that I think I was ready to completely devote. I mean, I kind of made a deal with the divine, so to speak, when I was in the pit of my darkness and I meant it. Show me a new way and show me what you would have me do. And, and I will, I will be faithful and committed. And I'm going to do that until my last breath in this meat suit. But to try to answer your question, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, of course, having a spiritual practice that feels true to you is essential. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many different paths, right? You know, one truth, the sages know it by many names. To me, it kind of doesn't matter as long as it's in integrity and as long as it is um, something that resonates with you and that you feel like you can follow through with and commit to. But, you know, certainly if, I mean, if had I not had all that background knowledge and prior interest, I don't, I don't know. I probably would have wound up psychiatrically labeled as schizophrenic or something or psychotic and probably on a lot of medicine and probably not be doing this work. I don't know what I'd be doing. It would have been very dark, but it, you know, more than anything else, more than the book knowledge, the support that I had, my own therapy, all of that was critical, long walks in the woods. I take nothing away from all of that, but if it weren't for deciding, I am just gonna sit every day and pray and surrender and ask for help, until I can't stand it anymore. I mean, that, that was the critical thing that got me through it. And I've heard that from people before that that's the, that's the mainstay of, you know, it's like, it's like the old, uh, what is it? The Pascal thing. Like if you're going through hell, just keep going. Yeah. You got to keep just showing up and, and finding your way through it. And you cannot do that without connecting and trusting and, mustering up as much much faith and surrender as possible so whatever method or school somebody relates to you know i i don't have a dog in the race of any one theory or school of thought or religion Mm -hmm. or spiritual practice i don't but you got to find something absolutely (laughs) meditation And if you look at all of the uh, great sages and mystics of times gone by and some of the world's most influential spiritual teachers, they've always had a practice. It could be mantras, could be chanting, could be going out in the forest, um, meditation, prayer, opening up their awareness and whatever resonates for you, do it because it's going to pay off huge dividends. But even in the work now, when you're doing the work, you still keep showing up and doing this. With your practice. Because I realize it's a, I've been called. And, and I don't mean that like, like in a special way. It, it no. just, I've been called to this. And, and I, think, um, I think that call was trying to reach me for a long time. And I, and I had too much fear or resistance. So 
I had to be brought to my literal and proverbial knees and kind of taken apart, you know? Well, speaking of that, predating this in 2016, I did my first ayahuasca ceremony. And it was a legit ceremony with people that have been doing this a while. You know, this was not like a pop-up fashionable yeah. you know, drug-taking party. This is the real deal. Um, and and in that experience, there was it was utterly dark. I mean, dark as dark can be, doom, gloom, despair. Um, and I experienced in that, I I would say now some kind of version of like a psychic dismemberment. I was kind of like taken apart and kind of left that way is how I think about it now. And it, I didn't, it took me a long time to really understand why that was such a horrendous and dark experience for me, which is not uncommon, especially for somebody's first ayahuasca medicine experience. But it was, I mean, it was beyond the pale uh, for me. And and I did not expect that. But what I what I have come to believe about it is that more than anything, it was a foreshadowing of, what, of the, the dark night of the soul, the breakdown that was to come for me. It was showing me this is what's coming. So here's a little taste of it. So you will know it. Right. And and then in in the in the sort of uh, breakdown, dark night of the soul awakening thing of years later. I feel like some of those very visceral, palpable experiences I had with the assistance of higher forces was kind of like the the rebirthing, putting me back together. <laughs> Isn't it and amazing so, how that happens? It is amazing. So all of that in combination with the fact that I feel like this this phenomenon that goes on every time I sit and everything that's being uh, the, the, whatever the lesson or the nature and purpose of each particular sit is, I know it's not for nothing. So I have to keep showing up for it. I'm going to see it through if it kills me. It's, there's no choice. It's a hundred percent all in. And, you know, the dedication is so important to the work um, in the spiritual field, whether it's for mediumship, psychic work, healing, whatever it is. Um, it's yeah. so important because sometimes it's very easy for people to get started with the work, but then the ego can get in, you know, and not it's not intentional, but it's the oh. nature of the beast. And then yep. if we lose our practice, we can lose ourselves in the process. And so I, that's why it's so important. I love that you're sharing that, Chris, because I think listeners are going to really understand the significance of this and the artist surrender. I love that, you know, in mediumship development, we always talk about the artist surrender, but it's one of the disciplines that people really struggle with. And it's yeah. not about losing control, but it's allowing that love and that higher guidance to lead you to your highest good. If we understand that our human mind is limited in many respects, and yeah. that these other individuals can see a far greater picture than what we can, but they're motivated by the power of love, and we can surrender and trust that. I mean, look what happens. I mean, look where you are right now. It's absolutely, I'm just, wow. That's all I, I can say is wow. I'm wow. I'm wowing still every day. I, I, wow. I'm just, just utter gratitude and, and excitement 
But it's a grounded excitement that I'm in now because I'm a couple of years into it. You know, in the beginning of this, it wasn't the most grounded excitement. It, it wasn't. Um, and I, I learned a couple of lessons the hard way that really held up the mirror and showed me like, yeah, this is all for real. But, dude, you're not fully grounded in it yet. You still you got a ways to go. And I still have a ways to go. But because I don't know what's next for me with this, I just I mainly see. I know how I feel as the result of each sit when somebody is connecting with me each time and, and the way mostly in my work with my clients that, you know, just, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like new layers or levels of, of what I can kind of facilitate just keep happening. So I know something real is happening here and it's wonderful. And I would wish it for everybody. And I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change any of it. Even the hellacious ayahuasca ceremony, the, um, you know, the dark night of the soul that absolutely going mad, thinking I was about to lose everything in my life. Um, cause, cause I now, I understand that was, it was all necessary. And I mean, look, I'm, many people have gone through this. It, you know, how I went through it is idiosyncratic to me, but you know, these are, universal phenomenon and probably only more and more common these days as as the consciousness is raising hopefully right of this absolutely uh, this pale blue dot <laughs> with your openness and willingness to work with the divine world the world unseen it's limitless yeah i think that when we put limits on how the divine can work with us then yeah we don't always reach our fullest, fullest potential Totally. And you have to really get out of the way and fully surrender to whatever the divine will is for it. Like in the beginning of this, I was a little too, this is, this is an example of how I can look back and see how I wasn't totally grounded and my ego or protective parts, as I would think about it more these days, we're trying to steer it. We're trying to maintain a little bit of like, Oh, so when am I going to be channeling and, and all that? And there was a, some impatience in it that I can I can see now. And that's why I kept getting those messages of have faith, trust, surrender, have yeah. patience, just keep showing up is what I just kept getting. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a parent with a child, just, you know, little pat on the head and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, relax, just keep coming. And you know what? You know, it's funny. As I hear myself say that, I can recall that back in 2010, I think it was, when I was in a period where I had a fairly intense meditation practice at that time. And I was very much focused on the, um, the Indian, uh, on, the, on, the, on uh, uh, Yogananda and, and his gurus and, that, and the Kriya Yoga path. I, did a, I was initiated into Kriya Yoga um, at that time. And I had a fairly short-lived but intense meditation practice at home. And that was at a particular time where I was dealing with a lot of anger and frustration about a process of that I was going through in my life with my wife and our trying to have a family. And, and in one of those sits, I remember getting the first of that kind of mental transmission of a message and it came from the Divine Mother who I was praying to. And that message was along the lines of, be quiet, my child. We hear you. 
you are loved, keep coming. Wow. And, you know, a river of tears. I mean, it was so unmistakable. But did I keep coming? No, I didn't. I fell out of the practice and I kind of forgot about it, you know? Yeah. It's one of those little... As we we do sometimes, right? We do. And it's those little breadcrumbs that the spirit world sends to us, letting us know, hey, we're there. Hey, we're trying to get your attention because there's something that you're meant to fulfill here in this lifetime. But again, often it's not until the dark night of the soul till we get the bloody message. (laughs) If you got to get hit over the head, you're going to get hit over the head. Yeah. yeah. As a medium, do you, there's this idea out there that our guides or our guardian or ministering, ministering angel, when they're trying to warn us about something or get, get something important to cross, they'll try three times. If, if after the third time we're not listening, they kind of back off. Is that, does that resonate with you? No, it doesn't doesn't resonate at all. Not at all. Not at all. I always say I'm a slow learner. (laughs) And unfortunately, I've gone through some experiences, even particularly recently, where I've really got the message, I need to slow down. Mm. And so I can get those messages. So my poor spirit friends don't have to keep, you know, banging me over the head. Because I I just imagine that they're banging their head against the wall. Why isn't this chick listening? Why isn't she getting the message? But no, I believe that the spirit world is compelled by the power of love to help us and that some way that message is going to come through that guidance, whether it be directly from them or they're going to influence and inspire somebody else to bring that message to us. And that could be through a situation or an event. Um, No, I don't think they give up. No, I didn't mean give up per se, but just sort of back off. No. And maybe redirect. But yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Not from my own experience. From my own experience, no. Um, There might be gaps of time in between. Yeah. Can I say? But the message always kind of comes back. And it's usually by the third time where I really need to get the damn message. <laughs> like, oh, oh my God, you guys, I'm so sorry. You know, you think it's not that bad or no, it's okay. I got it. I got it. No, you don't have it. That's why we're bringing it back two, three times. You know, yeah. sometimes it's more than that. But, um, right. But with the spirit guides too, though, they don't impose upon our free will, that gift of free will that we have. So they can bring that guidance and that support to us, but oh yeah, it's up to us what we do with it. Oh, totally. Yes. I don't think our free will is ever overridden by any, any good, good force or energy. Right. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So Chris, do you want to tell my listeners a little bit about how they can get in touch with you? Sure. It, the easiest way is just my website, which is uh, therapyoutsidetheBox.com. Okay. And then I will include that listeners in the show notes, as well as connect with Chris on Instagram. Do you have a Facebook account too? I do, but I don't really check it. So Instagram. Instagram. Is okay. And it's just at Therapy Outside the Box. Perfect. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. It's just been awesome to connect with you and to be able to have you share your voice with my listeners. And I thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Connected Spirit. If you did, please leave me a review and a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you do feel called to share this with your friends, thank you so much for tagging me on Instagram at Medium Courtney Dawson. 
It really helps to get the word out about this podcast so we can help more people just like you. If you're interested in a private reading or attending any one of my mentoring classes, workshops, or events, you can go to mediumcourtneydawson.com or check me out on Instagram at mediumcourtneydawson. Have a great day, guys. Thank you.